Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today, I am so excited to have fellow cowgirl and author, Brittany Joy, on the show. Hi, Brittany. Hello. Hi, Carly. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So before we get to the fun part and jump into the interview questions, I'm going to read Brittany's bio so we have a little background on on who she is and all the awesomeness that she's about. Cowboy boots have always been Brittany's shoe of choice. I love that. An animal lover to the core, her parents didn't know what they were signing up for when they put her in a horse summer camp at the age of 10. She was hooked. The horse bug hit her hard. Horses quickly became her true passion. At 12, Brittany started working at a local stable, cleaning stalls and leading trail rides. At 13, her parents finally broke down and bought her a horse, a spunky bay grade mare named Osti. Brittany grew up on Osti's back, and when it came time to go to college, she packed her mare along too. Brittany and her family now live in their own piece of heaven in the Oregon countryside. They stay busy with their menagerie of silly animals. When Brittany isn't <laughs> writing, she's writing or reading, and she wishes she could do all three at the very same time. Boy, I love that. <laughs> yes, I totally do. I wish I could do all three at the same time because it would, it would save me a lot of time, for we'd sure. Be, we'd be far more productive if we could do all three at the oh, same time, wouldn't we? We'd have books absolutely. written galore, you know, horses trained oh in no time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So... I am curious, you and your family live in the Oregon countryside, and your yeah. website mentions that you have a menagerie of silly horses, just like your bio said, um, including cackling chickens, wooly sheep, and one very naughty goat. So I need to hear about these, these yeah. three friends of yours. And I know there's yes. horses in there too, right? <laughs> yes. yes, yes, for sure. So they definitely keep me very busy. Um, my horses, I, I have two horses. I have a, a paint mare, which, yay, your mare, your paint mare is beautiful. I love seeing all the pictures that you post of her. Um, and uh, my mare's name is Stella, and she is coming on 17 years old, and I've had her since she was a coming two-year-old. So I've had her a long time. Um yeah, and she's my baby, um, and I'm, I'm originally actually from Minnesota, and I moved to Oregon um, to, to be with my husband. Now, he's originally from here, and uh, I got Stella when I still lived in Minnesota, so she's traveled across the country with me, too, um, and then, and she's basically retired now. She was my my Western pleasure show horse, um, but she has some lameness issues. She deals with uh, laminitis, and so she basically just has the good life. She gets spoiled and uh, goes on pony. I pony her on my other horse, uh, Chelly, and Chelly is he's a half Frisian thoroughbred pink cross. Wow, that's quite a mix. Yes, yes. he's like. 
he's a Heinz 57. He's my mutt, but like, I just love him to pieces. He's gorgeous. I love all the pictures Thank that you, you post of him on Facebook. I, you know, drool when you, when you show some of the pictures. We're going to get a little more into Chelly here in a little <laughs> bit too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's the one I ride and show. Um, and he's my big teddy bear. And then we, we now have upgraded to two silly goats. So I now have um, two Nigerian dwarf goats named Ellie and Elfie, and they are out with my horses. My horses love them. I originally got um, got a goat when I only had one horse because I wanted Stella to have a buddy, and uh, the horses really take to the goats, so they love them. Um, and then we have we have two. We only have two chickens. Now the one is like 10 years old. So we've, we've had chickens <laughs> and they keep laying too, but they have free reign of the barn and, um, we don't have the sheep anymore. Um, I know they were super fun to have, but I have two boys and they're teenagers now. And when they were younger, they showed in 4-H and FFA and they showed market lambs. And so we would breed the sheep and have baby lambs every spring, which was super, super fun. Hmm. But, yeah. but, but, they, but they've since grown out of the, the, the lambs, is that right? Or the sheep? Yeah, so they're they're um they're both they're twenty and nineteen now. My boys are. Oh my and goodness! So, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they are all done with 4-H and FFA, and um, so we decided to to sell the sheep back to uh, the breeder that owns the ram that we would breed them to every. So they're living happy lives, but they're a lot of they're a little bit of work for me for mom when the boys don't take care of it anymore. So. That makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. It sounds like you have a per the perfect slice of heaven, like like you said in your biography. There, like living living on this farm with all your furry friends and the horses, and it's I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, being around them is just so peaceful and and wonderful. And and you know, it's it's so funny hearing the background about your paint. We have a lot in common. I almost felt like you were really? telling my story. Because oh, really? I've, yeah, I've had Sissy since she was three. And uh, she's now 16, and she oh. was my Western Pleasure show, show horse, and we're having some navicular issues. So she's oh, kind of, no. yeah, she's kind of living the good life. I mean, she's usable, which is fantastic, but I don't know that I'm, I don't know that she'll ever make it back to the show pen. It's hard. That is crazy. I didn't know that about your mare. And it is, it's, it's that's very similar with Stella. She's, um, she's, lightly rideable but um I don't really push her too hard and it's a, it's a hard uh disease to work with for sure it, it really is and and what I've learned I didn't know this actually when I got into uh paint horses is that it actually kind of runs in the breed it's a lameness and, and navicular and laminitis is sort of a, a genetic thing within the breed so I found that really yeah. interesting so I'm so excited to actually talk to a fellow cowgirl and western pleasure mm -hmm. enthusiast that's sort of what brought us together um you know as authors talking about our books and I wore a shirt in your honor today it says Boots and bling. It's a country thing. I, I totally love that. It's a, it's a fun shirt. It's one of my faves. Um, so I know that you've fallen in love with cowboy dressage uh, with, with Chelly, and you've been focusing on that. And I would love to hear more about the discipline and, and how you discovered it and how you got into it. I know you're very successful with it. I often see your gleaming belt buckles on Facebook after you've been at a yeah. competition. Can you talk a little bit about cowboy dressage and what, what got, how you got into it? 
Sure, sure. Um, I, so growing up, I was showed in uh, Western Pleasure, and then I got Stella, my mare, when I was in my early 20s, and I showed her when she was younger in Western Pleasure as well. And um, that gave me a really good base um, for for all of my riding skills. Um, and I actually ended up with Chelly kind of by accident. Oh. Uh, I, I don't have an arena at my place. I have my horses at my house, which is awesome. I love it so much. I don't have an arena at my place, but my luckily my neighbors who live like a quarter mile down the road, they have an indoor and an outdoor and a boarding facility and they let me ride over oh, there. Cool. So I, yes, I love it. And I get on my horse and I ride down the road and I go ride in their arena. Um, and when I had just had Stella, I got to know one of the boarders there that Chelly was actually boarded there. Um, and she was looking to sell him and he really, you know, it's, I, I'm sure you know all about this, but a rider and a horse match, sometimes mm -hmm. they just don't gel like they should. And he is for me, a big teddy bear, but he is also a very, very sensitive horse. And so if you have a, a more timid rider, he like feeds off of it, like nobody's business. Um, like he, the second you get scared, he's scared. Um, and she was a very timid rider and they just didn't gel very well. And so she was looking to sell him and I was actually looking for a second horse for my husband to mm -hmm. ride mm -hmm. <laughs> so we could go on trail rides together. And so I, um, gave him a test ride and I really liked him. He had a good, um, some good basics on him. Um, he was a little spoiled, <laughs> but, uh, we connected and I actually ended up buying him for $160. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Now that, yeah. for people that are, are listening that are not horse people, this is like the bargain of the century. I mean, yeah, uh, that, that's amazing. So yeah, he just like desperate to get rid of him or, or. Yeah, she wanted, you know, she, even though they weren't a good match, she really cared about him. She wanted him to have a good home mm -hmm. and she knew, you know, how I took care, you know, the place he would be at and how I took care of my other horse who, who, you know, had some, has medical issues. And, and so she, she wanted him to go to a good home. So she gave me a really good deal. Um, that's incredible. And yeah. And then when I got him, because he is, he is half, he's half Frisian and he's got, um, some really big gates and coming from Western pleasure, I was like, okay, as I rode him more and more, I was like, okay, I really love this guy and I connected with him. And so I, I wanted to find something to do with him. And I was like, to my husband, Jason, I was like, okay, this is no, <laughs> this is not your trail horse. This is going to be my horse. <laughs> um, so I, I'd always have admired the, like the principles of classic dressage and have used them, um, in my Western pleasure training. And right about when I got Chelly, the Western dressage and the cowboy dressage were really, I think, starting to come out and become more popular. Um, so I dabbled in both a little bit of the Western dressage and the cowboy dressage. And it was a really good fit for Chelly. And it was a really good fit for myself too, because I am a competitive person. And I feel like 
I need goals in my equestrian side and my writing side too. I need to set myself goals so that I push myself and I'm always, um, you know, exercising my horses and I have something to work towards. And mm-hmm. so the cowboy dressage gave me that and it um, also filled my competitive side and it's helping to, you know, make me a better rider and make Chelly a better, uh, better horse. And I really like that cowboy dressage they focus on um, doing everything for the sake of the horse. Mm. And so it's really about, um, you know, what is best for the horse? You know, for instance, you can do uh, a test, a cowboy dressage test, which is a pattern in a, in a cowboy dressage arena. And if your horse is, is a little bit buddy sour, say you have a green horse, they allow a buddy horse to come in and like, stand on the edge of the court because it's going to make you comfortable and your horse comfortable and so you don't have to worry about that piece while you're trying to make yourself better make your horse better how cool is that that is great I love that it's really cool you mentioned both western dressage and cowboy dressage are they the same thing or are they different I I just not okay so that you can use it interchangeably no, they're they're not the same. Oh, they're uh, not. Thing. Yeah. So they're two different associations. And from what I understand, I think they started out the same association and they broke mm-hmm. from from each other. But I, if if I were to simply describe it, Western dressage is a lot like classical dressage, just in Western tack and Western attire. Okay. And the cowboy dressage is. Um, it's made a little bit more for your stock horses. Like all the movements are, are, that are required, they would be something that you would be using in cattle work. Um, and they have a lot of different options too that the Western dressage doesn't have, which I think is really fun. They have, uh, they call them challenge uh, tests, mm-hmm. challenge courses. And you do a dressage test, but there's actually obstacles in the test. And so you're doing the test um, over poles, around cones, opening a gate. Uh, and um, it's just, it's another thing to challenge, to challenge yourself with. So it's that really fun. That sounds really neat. And thank you for explaining yeah. the difference. I mean, it's, uh, I, when I was younger, I did take classical dressage lessons on a you know lipizzan arabian wow which was really interesting yes. um, and, and then and then i was in 4-h too like like your sons and uh i would always do the um like dressage patterns there but but back then like western dressage wasn't really a thing so i was so yeah. interested in hearing your perspective and hearing the difference about it because it looks like a lot of fun and i love that it's for the horse and it's actually um, about their own natural self-carriage and, you know, yes. perfecting movements, which is really cool. And you've had a lot of success with Chelly. Um, can yeah. you talk a little bit about some of your, your recent goals and maybe the successes that you've had in, in cowboy dressage? Yeah. Um, well, we just had like our local, uh, well, for the state of, of Oregon, we have an Oregon Cowboy Dressage Association, and they had uh, hosted their annual show this past August, and Chelly and I won um, the High Point Amateur 
award. And so, yay, we got a really pretty buckle. I have it actually um, on my bookshelf back there. And then we also won the a high score award. So one of our tests actually had the highest score of the whole weekend, um, which was awesome. So it was, it was super good. That is so great. Congratulations. And for, for listeners, I will make sure to share pictures of Brittany Joy's beautiful horses in the show notes. So you can take a look at, at her cowboy dressage horse, Chelly, and her, her paint mare, Stella. So, so uh, thank you so much for talking about that. And so clearly you are a horse lover and an animal yeah. lover, and this is something you've been doing Definitely. for a long time, which brings us to your books. Um, you have yeah. two series out there right now, and I'd, I'd love it if you would tell folks a little bit about your books, and then we can get into, you know, like, tell us about your book series and, and what excites you about writing about horses, and then we can get into some deeper questions about writing. Definitely, definitely. So, so I have, I have two series. All my books are currently young adult books, although I do have some ideas in the future for some uh, sweet romance books. So I'm, I've been kind of playing with that too. So um, I think in the future, that could definitely be, be something I will work on as well. But right now, all my books are young adults and I have two series. I have a series called uh, Red Rock Ranch and that has three books in the series and I've got them right here. Um, this is the first book in the series. This is Lucy's Chance. Um, the second book is Showdown. And the third book that I just released this past May is Rodeo Days. Um, I love this, this series. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love it. It's definitely, um, it's a series that's close very close to my heart um because I grew up I grew up reading the Thoroughbred series I don't know did you ever read the Thoroughbred series I haven't but so many authors that I've talked to during the the spotlight have talked about the Thoroughbred series and really? I don't know if I was living under a rock or what but I'm <laughs> I already I already ordered um the first one so I could start the series because everyone's talking about it and I'm so excited yeah. to learn more so t you know tell us about how that inspired you to to, to write your books, the Thoroughbred series? Yeah, the Thoroughbred series, so I've always loved to read, um, but when I was like in late middle school, the Thoroughbred series, uh, I think there was maybe like 13 or 14 books out at that time. Now, I seriously think there's like 100 books in this series. There's oh, a wow. ton of books. Um, but my best friend and I, who was also a big horse, a horse girl, we, we spent a ton of time at the barn together. We would devour those books. And as soon as another one would come out, we would both, both read them. And, um, I, I just have a soft spot in my heart for those books. And I knew that I always wanted to write a series that, uh, was kind of like that on the same vein of it, but I wanted a little bit more romance in my books. Um, every book I read that I personally like, I, I have read very few books that don't have a some type of romantic subplot or something mm -hmm. um, that I've been interested in. So I wanted a little bit more romance in it. So I would call my my books, you know, equestrian fiction or a little you know, sweet equestrian fiction romance. Um, but 
They are about a girl, Lucy, who is spending her first summer away from home, and she gets a job working as a stable hand at the Red Rock Ranch, which is a cattle ranch and guest ranch, um, and it's fictionally placed in uh, eastern Oregon, and she, uh, in the first book, discovers a horse that is very basically doesn't want anything to do with humans. She finds him out in the, in the wilderness and he's obviously got a backstory and she's not really sure where he came from. And she's also got a big time crush on a certain cowboy uh, that she's working with, Casey. Mm-hmm. And Casey and her end up working together to gentle this horse. Um, but of course there's always a little villain, you know, in, in the book and in the first book, the villain is a girl named Taylor and she is, um, rodeo queen, you know, horse show extraordinaire. And she has a very wonderful, beautiful show horse named Star that she brings to the ranch and she is there with, at the ranch staying as a guest with her mother mm-hmm. and she has her eyes on Casey as well and so she causes a lot of havoc <laughs> between Lucy and Casey and um the horse in in this book his name is Chance and I do have to say his sensitivity the horse's sensitivity was definitely based on my horse Chelly's uh sensitivity as well and um so that's the first book, and then it goes on into the into the the sequel. I actually wrote the sequel in dual perspective, and so it goes between Lucy's perspective and Taylor's perspective. And in the second book, they end up having to work together, and it goes back and forth. And I really kind of found I really liked Taylor in the mm-hmm. first book and the more and more I edited it and I wanted to tell her story a little bit more too so in the second book I go more into Taylor's story and I hope that I explain basically why she is the way she is and kind of warm your hearts to her by the end that you way. really you really did I I I really like what you did with the second book and it was it was cool to get the you know continue the story that was happening but then also get the perspective of Taylor and and I loved how you put it in into like the horse show world like I had flickers and flutters of like quarter horse congress as we were following yeah. and, and it was very authentic and very well written and clearly you know what you're talking about when it comes to like horse shows and in that that world it was, it was oh, very- I'm glad well, and that too, it was something I really wanted to do with these books because I've, I've read, you know, you can tell when you're reading a book and there's horses in it and the author is not, maybe doesn't have experience with horses or is not a horse person. Um, like things are very generic, you know, maybe the horses don't have, they really aren't their own characters, they're just kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. And that that's with this series really what I I wanted to make sure that all the horses are characters in themselves and I'm really talking to you know somebody who's interested in horses um and if you don't you know if you don't like horses I don't know that's this series is definitely not not for you but I don't make it over complicated on the equestrian side mm-hmm. but um 
I don't really, I don't, I try not to dumb it down too much either. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that someone that doesn't know a whole lot about horses would still enjoy this, this series, but you know, it's obviously with, with horse lovers in mind, just like my books, right. You know, we all, we, yeah. equestrians write for equestrians, right. So it's like, yes. that's our primary audience. But, but I think that this book would appeal to anyone who loves like a, a good, you know, innocent PG romantic story for sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And then just the, the third book, which I just released earlier this year, Rodeo Days, it goes more into Lucy and Casey's story and um, a little deeper into the relationship between Lucy and Chance, her horse Chance as well. So that's a, my Red Rock Ranch series. And then I do have another series as well, which is a young adult fantasy series. So I also love to read fantasy. I love um, getting lost in different types of worlds and learning about all this imaginative magic and and everything as well. And so actually, when I, I first started trying to write the third book in Red Rock Ranch, I was probably writing for about a month and I just couldn't get into it. And it was a totally different plot then ultimately was was what became rodeo days that's interesting um, yeah and i i had a really hard time getting into it and i my I, my mind kept going back to this original this idea i'd had about these two girls who were somehow connected um but they were all, they were start off as rivals and end up um like coming together in this this uh magical way and i thought you know i'm just gonna try i'm just gonna start writing this and see where it goes and that ultimately morphed into the first book of my overruled series um and this this is the first book this is overruled and i published the second book over over run in uh Early, earlier this year, and I am working on a third book. I'm about halfway through the third book right now. But this, for those of you that like horses, it does have an equestrian aspect to it. Um, this is also written in both all these books on my Overworld series are written in dual perspective. And so it rotates between two female main characters, Nova, who is um, like the peasant, the pauper that gets drawn back to this kingdom of Sterling with her dad. And she has never been exposed to magic. And she does actually have magical powers, but she doesn't realize it. And her magical powers is that she can telepathically communicate with animals. And oh, in cool. Particular, yeah. <laughs> Just like something I wish, you know. I'm sure all horse people wish they could do. Yeah. Well, and I think we have touches of it, right? Like sometimes I feel like I know, like there's this weird energy connection where I kind of know what's going on or sense it, but like being able to really hear them, whatever they're thinking, that would be amazing. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And um, Nova, it's funny. I say telepathically communicate with animals, but she can't actually hear what they're saying, but Uh the animals feel what she needs. And so she actually ends up using um, 
not using, but like calling animals like her, the horses in this story or birds um, to come to her rescue. And they ultimately like battle for her in different areas of this of this story. And she does have a horse that's like her best friend in this story and his name is River. And she's always thought that her, like you were saying, like how she could read horses and how she could um, communicate with animals. She always thought that that was just a natural thing to her, but it really has like a magical, magical element to it. So she gets brought back to this kingdom and she's not aware that she has these magical powers and the queen in this kingdom, Queen Katrina, is actually hunting Nova for her magical powers. And then the other perspective in this book is the princess, Princess Jade, and she is, has been locked in the walls of the castle her entire life and is only introduced to the kingdom on her 16th birthday and she has inherited powers from her mother and as her powers grow her mother's weaken and her mom's a power hungry very evil queen and she sees uh, Jade really as a hurdle versus her daughter or her legacy and she's trying to get rid of her and so Nova's story and Jade's story get intertwined in the first book, and they actually have a connection in a romantic interest, um, which is Chael, and he is one of the Queen's guards, and he actually brings the stories together in the first book. Um, Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I have not read this series yet, but I, like, I've read excerpts, and your writing is, like, just incredible. Some of the excerpts you've offered, it's on my to-read list, so I can't can't wait to get into this one, particularly after hearing you um, describe it. I mean, oh my goodness, it sounds like so much is going on, and, and there is, yeah, and it sounds really (laughs) cool, and, and what's interesting to me is how you said that you were trying to write the third book in the Red Rocks, uh, Red Rock Ranch, or Red Ranch, yeah, Red Rock Ranch series. Yeah. Um, and this other book was calling you. So th- that's that's really interesting. So you switched gears from sweet romance to fantasy, both with horses, um, but in the middle of a series. And and I think it's really yeah. interesting about following actually what's calling you, not trying to force something else. Would you talk a little bit about following that calling and then switching gears from sweet romance to fantasy? I mean, you you shared with us that you do like to read both. So I, yeah. I imagine it's like sort of kind of already there within you, but was it a challenge to shift from a, a different series of characters that you built relationships with over to this other one? Could you talk a little bit about how that experience was for you? Yeah. So I love writing both of these series. They are very different to write. Um, the Red Rock Ranch series generally comes to me much, much easier um, and faster. I'm able to write it a lot faster. Whereas the over overruled series, I, I think it's just because I'm dealing with the, the fantasy part, the magic system, the world, it's a medieval inspired world and it's much more complicated. And it's also because that one is fully dual perspective. I'm basically trying to track two storylines and, um, intertwine them together throughout 
all of the books in that one. And so sometimes I get like overwhelmed by what is all what is all going on in that story. And that's actually where I am at in the third book right now. I'm ha I'm I've been struggling actually at a point in my first draft because uh, you know, all those little doubts, you know, come into your head and um I want to make sure that I do the first couple of books justice in a third and final book. And they're also very much longer than my Red Rock Ranch series. Mm -hmm. My Red Rock Ranch books range from like 35,000 words to 50,000 words. Mm -hmm. And my Overruled series, <laughs> my Overruled series ranges from about 60,000 to 80,000 words. words. Like double, yeah. double. I think just like, it takes me, it basically takes me longer to write the Overruled series because it's more complicated and it's not something I've lived, obviously, because it's like fantasy. And right. so it's all coming out of my imagination. And the, my Red Rock Ranch series, I mean, there are lots of, my everyday life will inspire stuff while I'm writing that. Mm -hmm. Um even like like the opening scene of the of rodeo days. I love this uh, story. <laughs> yeah. I so in the opening scene of Rodeo Days, Taylor and Lucy are trying to look for some gloves in a tack room, and Lucy puts her hands in a cabinet and grabs the gloves, and a mouse runs out, runs up her arm, and they both girls freak out and just jump. They're jumping around the the attack room, and Casey, you know Lucy's love interest, comes into uh, the attack room, and he's like, "Uh, you guys know that you ride a thousand pound horses, and you're scared of little mice." <laughs> but that was really inspired by actually what ha what happened to me. I had a mouse in my cabinets in my attack room that that summer, and I opened up. Uh, it didn't run up my arm, thankfully, but I opened up the cabinet and there was a mouse staring at me and I, I don't know what it is about mice, but I just ran and jumped and, you know, screamed the daylights out of me. Um, and a mouse does that to me every single time. It, it really does. I don't get it either. But like, I tell you, I see one and I jump up and I shriek and they always come out of the, in the tack yes. room. It's always in the tack room. So I mean, I just, I laughed so hard when <laughs> yeah. I read that part in the book because I was like, oh, it's so oh yeah. <laughs> yes, it's totally real. And, and just like, I'm sure, yeah, with your stories, you're inspired by stuff that has happened to you or your horse or one of your friends in the past or happens to you while you're, while you're writing it um, too. So I think it's a little bit easier, more fluid for me to write the Red Rock Branch series just because it's like um, very close to my real life mm -hmm. um, and how I grew up mm -hmm. and that the characters in that series are 16 and it's also very nostalgic for me because I remember you know not having all your adult worries and all you have to worry about is you know taking care of your horse and going for your rides and hanging out with your friends and and so it brings me back to that too when I'm writing it that's so wonderful 
Yeah. And then, so I wanted to go back to like, when you feel stopped when you're writing um, the overworld series, like when, you, when you're working on the, the third book in the, in the series, when you feel stopped, what do you do for yourself to kind of move forward? Do you go for a walk? Do you like put it and put it away for a while? Like, how do you handle that, that stuckness? Yeah, so I have a couple different things that I, I are like my go-to things that will generally help me. I do definitely go for walks when I am when I am stuck. If I've been staring at a computer screen and I just am frustrated, I can't figure out where I'm going or I feel like I'm just not writing what I want to write, I've learned that sometimes you I just need to close my laptop and walk away from it, go for a walk or ride my horse, mm -hmm. um, like get my mind off of it. And a lot of times my, my mind or my subconscious, cause you're continuously thinking about it as a writer. Mm -hmm. And so when you do other like physical activities, I think your subconscious works and it will put things together for you. And I have often been cleaning a horse stall, picking out a horse stall or riding my horse on a little trail ride or something and something goes, oh, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, that would totally work. And so, or I'll be in the shower, washing my hair. Or it always happens in the shower. Yes. And yeah. like, you're, you're like, you're telling it like it is. This is how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So Sometimes, sometimes I think it is good to walk away and give yourself a little break. I do try to write a little bit every day because I think it keeps it fresh in your mind, but sometimes it just, you just need a break, mm -hmm. um, in order for your mind to kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I will do is I've noticed I'm very sensitive to what I'm reading while I'm writing and so I try to read books that are in the same point of view of how of how I write and in my Red Rock Ranch books I write in first point first point of view in my um, Overruled series I write in third uh, third point of view and sometimes just reading a good book with good writing will inspire me the structure of the sentences um, just how they set up a scene or the first couple paragraphs. Um, sometimes that's the hardest part for me is getting into a chapter and setting it up. Mm -hmm. And so if I can pick up some of my, some of my favorite books, I will read like a chapter mm -hmm. and it's almost like it breaks away my, my, um, my walls. Um, and it kind of gets me in the flow of writing again. And so I'll do that. Um, I also really, sometimes I just need inspiration. And so I love, like, I'm so glad you're doing this podcast. And I'm so excited to um, see the interviews from other authors as well, because sometimes that's all you need is like motivation and inspiration from other writers mm -hmm. to know that like they have trouble writing sometimes too. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you're like, oh, I'm not the only one, like, you just think best-selling authors, just words pour out of them, right? And everybody has their, their struggles. So I do really like listening um, to 
There's a great podcast called 88 Cups of Tea. I would totally recommend listening to that podcast uh, if you if you write, because the the woman that puts on that podcast, she interviews all different types of writers. A lot of them are in the fantasy world, um, but she is really good at bringing out um, all their stories and their struggles and um, it's it's a very inspiring podcast so very a lot cool. of times I'll listen to that while I go for a walk too mm -hmm. I'll make sure to link to the 88 cups of tea podcast in the show notes too for people who are interested in checking it out and thank you for for saying what you did uh, about being happy that I'm putting together this this podcast for equestrian authors because a yes. that that makes me feel good to know that something that that will make a difference for you but it was so funny uh, when you said you know it's nice to know that you're not alone because light writing is a very introverted kind of solitary profession yeah. and and it it's nice to hear you know how, what other authors are going through or dealing with and it's been so funny as I've been interviewing other authors for the series you know, they'll be sharing their stories. I'll be like, yes, yes, exactly. And then, and then they'll say back to me, oh, it's so nice to hear that I'm not the only one that's going through this. So you are oh, for sure. right. That, and I'm hoping that's what this podcast does for, for other horsebook authors is actually, you know, share tools and resources we haven't heard about, but also let us know that the struggle is real and we're not alone and, and share, Absolutely. share how we're all coping and dealing with getting the words on the page. Right. So, so thank you. Absolutely. For, yeah. No, I think it's great. It's to, um, cause you're so right. It's a very solid, solitary, um, profession. And it is nice to just hear from other people that they're going through the same thing and to hear the tips, how mm -hmm. other people work through it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you just offered some, some really great ones. You know, I love the, the going for a walk or a ride that I do that all the time, but then, but then reading something in the same vein or just opening up a yeah. page, like a book that inspires you and sort of like getting inspiration from, from other authors. That's, that's a really cool idea. I love that. And then, you know, obviously listening to podcasts for motivation, um, other writing podcasts. So very cool. And, yeah. um, you're obviously not having too much trouble with your writing because you just released the third mm -hmm. book in the, um, red, Rock Ranch series, Rodeo Days, and it had number one on the bestsellers list on Amazon for uh, teen and young adult equestrian fiction. So yeah. super congratulations on that. Thank you. How, how did that make you feel? It must have been like just amazing, right? To hit that number one spot. Cause it, you know, there's a, it was, you're consistently in, on the bestsellers list. I mean, it, your books are that good and they're always there, but like to hit that number one spot is pretty spectacular. Um, how that make you feel? It was amazing. Yeah, it was really cool to see that um, because I, like I said, this series is so close to my heart, and um, I published the first book, Lucy's Chance, in 2013, and just published the third book you know, this year. So the first two have been out there for quite some time and <clears throat> kind of stagnant sales here. You know, it, I, I was always trying to think of different ways to find new readers and to increase sales. And really when I switched my covers, because I, I switched, I put in brand new covers on the whole Red Rock Range series right before I launched the third book. 
And then also I think because, because I launched the third book and now I have a trilogy, um, I think that's the other reason that, that sales really started to increase this year. So this, this year is really has been my best year of sales uh, so far. And I feel like that, that series has finally gained some traction mm-hmm. and it makes me really happy you know, that people are reading it and enjoying it because I know how I felt when I was reading, you know, the Thoroughbred series as a horse girl, especially before I had my own horse. I wanted to read Mm -hmm. every book Mm -hmm. that I could possibly read about (laughs) horses, you know, because I wanted to have my my own horse so bad. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that I'm, you know, providing that type of entertainment and enjoyment for, for other people of all ages with, with that series. So it, it made me very happy to see, to see that get to number one. It made me happy too. I was so excited <laughs> for you. And I, cause I know I was bugging you for the third book in the series for, <laughs> for a long time. So it was, was really awesome to see that success. Uh, and, and the, you know, you mentioned changing the covers on the books. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how that went for you. Like, yeah. Why, why did you make the decision? I mean, they're really, really beautiful. Um, and Thank you know, why you. did you do that? And then I'm kind of curious, like I have heard, and I'm not sure if this is accurate anymore. If you change your covers in Amazon that you have to like, you lose your reviews and you have to relaunch like your, your book all over again. Can you talk a little bit about how that yes. went and in, in, if there were any negatives to changing the covers, um, or positives, sure. you know, both sides. Absolutely. And I was worried about that as well. Mm-hmm. I probably would not have changed my covers had that been the case if I had to basically relaunch the first two books um, and restart all the reviews mm-hmm. on those books and like start from square one. Because as I'm sure you know, getting reviews on books is, um, it can be hard. And a lot of, I, I read a statistic somewhere that only like two or three percent or two or three people out of a hundred readers will leave voluntarily leave a review on books. And so you think about how many books you have to have to sell and get in the hands of readers to, you know, make 15 reviews on your book. I'm really curious about this. And I think other yeah. indie authors are curious too, because it, maybe it was the way it used to be when it, when, when you change titles. Reviews are so important to to authors because um, when you have a certain amount of reviews, not only does it, it Amazon will actually will will keep your book from search until you have eight reviews. I don't know if you if mm-hmm. you knew that. So, and yeah. then and then once you hit fifty, they'll actually recommend it um, to re- to readers. You may like this because you also like this, and and reviews are so important because otherwise they are you can't get found. And we appreciate them so much because it's almost like. Um, social proof, you know, that the, the books are, are valid and, you know, not, totally. we're not just getting reviews from like our family members, but like people yeah. are really enjoying, enjoying. <laughs> even, even, even bad reviews have value. So, I mean, it just, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I didn't know how I, I, it took me a while to get to, you know, get there, like, a like to understand, to understand that, but even a negative review, um, it actually helps other the right readers sign your book because mm-hmm. if somebody leaves a negative review because they didn't like, you know, 
um, like I'm trying to think, uh, with my Red Rock Ranch series, it is really, it's a very sweet series. There's just like a sweet kiss in each book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know there's a couple of reviews where people have said it, it reminds them of kind of like a Hallmark movie. And Which is like I don't know, <laughs> I know, like, I don't know if they meant it really. I, I'm going to just assume positive, but mm-hmm. even if they meant it a little bit negatively, it helps other people when they're reading reviews, if they really like that, they really like Hallmark movies, which I, I love, mm-hmm. I love Hallmark movies. Um, then they're going to go, Oh yeah, this is the right book for me. Even if it was, you know, a negative review. that's right you know and 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 I think as an author something you know is interesting is that you once you put your book baby out into the world it's not it's not really yours anymore it's for people to either like or not like and not everybody likes everything you know and you can't please everyone as long as you're writing from your heart and writing your your truth and something that you love it and that that that's it resides with you and then when it's out in the world it just kind of has to do with it what it does like I, I have some similar reviews um where people thought it was more of a YA book and my book is a little uh, bit more for adults yeah so they, they yeah they weren't as happy with the you know the the little more steamy stuff than sure. the, the sweet romance so it's it's interesting it's just it depends on the reader and it depends on what their preference is you know I actually had yeah. one, one woman that was unhappy that my main cowgirl didn't wear a helmet when she was, you know, riding her horse. So yeah, the helmet thing. Yes. I, yeah. But but (laughs) these are fictional characters, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's like, but you know, it's just the point is you can't please everyone. So so, as a writer, yeah, you just have to, you have to know that I've, I, if I am ever disappointed by something, I remind myself there are plenty of bestsellers um, that I've read that I have not liked, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, n- not every book is for everybody. And you just have to have to know that going in and toughen up your, your skin which as a writer. It isn't easy because we write from the very most like sensitive, yeah. soulful, introverted part of ourselves, you know, so for sure, part of the business, just part of the business. And we've all been there and we've all it had is. to deal with it. And Stephen King, I, I think I was saying this in another interview like you know Stephen King is like master and he's got bad reviews and people yeah his work so JK Rowling totally. Harry, the author of Harry Potter she's got some bad reviews and you know like uh Twilight you know there's people that trash the potatoes out of <laughs> the potatoes I know out. and I, I love Twilight I, I love love Twilight, love Twilight. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but but here's the deal it's like made three you know four movies it's made bazillions of dollars and and just like anything else, it's not for everyone, you know, but I love yeah, it. So I did too. I did too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I um speaking on the on the reviews, I was really concerned about that when I was changing the covers for the first two Red Rock Branch books. And I um actually what I found, and I hope this is a hundred percent right, but what I found was I would I was working with um, a new editor, and she has helped me edit the third Red Rock Ranch book as well as the second um, in my book in my Overworld series. Mm-hmm. And she's really good um, at constructive criticism. Sometimes she can be a little hard, harsh, <laughs> but I've just learned to be like, oh, 
step away from it from a second and then come back to me like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Okay. All right. And I am paying her, I am paying her to do this, right? You know, (laughs) totally. And, um, but one of the things she had recommended after she read the, the Rodeo Days' manuscript, manuscript, she looked at my first two covers for the first books and she, she said, you know, this is the type of book she's, um, around my age, if I were to guess. And she said, this is the type of book I would pick up and read on my own time. Cause she's also, she's also a horse person actually. Mm-hmm. And, but she's like, I would never buy your book because the covers look like they're middle grade books. Oh. And I, in my head have, you know, have, when I was first coming out with these books, you know, I've always known that they were, they were young adult books. They're, they're, um, main characters are 16 years old and I was really trying to market to a young adult crowd. But what I have found is there's a whole mix of ages that read my books and a lot of adults read my books. Um, I would say it's probably 75% adults to 25%, uh, teenagers. That's amazing. Yeah. And, um, she said, she is the one that actually recommended, um, the, designer that made my new covers she said I because she writes as well my editor and she said I use this um this designer on Fiverr um I don't know if you've ever have you ever used Fiverr Fiverr's awesome yeah it is (laughs) it totally is and I've used it before for other um for other like social media image images and um like 3d book covers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and so I was aware of it and um she was like, why don't you just have her make a couple covers and try them out, see if you like, you know, if they increase sales, have them made for an older young adult age, like focus on your 16 to 18 year old, uh, on the cover mm-hmm. versus I, my, my other ones were a little bit more preteen and I loved those covers as well, but I really love the new covers. Mm-hmm. I really like she just nailed them. Um, but I was, I was concerned about switching them because I didn't want to lose my reviews. And the editor, she said, as long as you don't change the dimensions of your book, you can switch the cover and it, you won't um, lose your reviews and have to start from scratch. So, So, yeah. So how, walk us through, like, how did you do that on Amazon? Did you yeah, I'm curious because I haven't, I haven't gone through this process before. Yeah. So I, this is the other reason I don't make, I know a lot of people, um, make their own, make their own covers mm-hmm. and I don't trust myself enough with design, mm-hmm. uh, to make my own covers because, and that is your, your number one, you know, selling tool. It is Absolutely. what it's people to read your description of your book and read your reviews and ultimately purchase the product. So I've never made, um, I've always used a designer for my, for my covers. I've used a couple different ones. Um, but the, the designer, you know, I told her what dimensions my paperbacks were already, how many pages, uh, they were. And then she designed the paperback cover to be exactly to the same dimensions and um, the ebook cover, it doesn't, I mean, that doesn't matter as far as dimensions and printing and whatnot too. Um, 
And so it was a pretty easy swap. I mean, I just literally got into KDP um, and swapped out the documents that she gave me when they were finished and hit the publish. I didn't change anything else about so you just went the in and you changed itself. the cover the cover file and that and that's it. Yeah. You were able to do that. Wow, that is like amazing to hear that you can do that because I guess the maybe it was the rumor mill or maybe that was something with CreateSpace back in the day or or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because, because I, I was concerned about that too. It was like my number one question. I was like, oh, I don't want to start all over again. Mess that up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's like getting a review a lot of times, sadly, is like pulling teeth and <laughs> begging, um, you know, people and, and actually asking. So never be, be afraid to ask people for reviews. I think a lot of time readers just, I didn't know how valuable reviews were to authors until I became an author. So I don't think readers yeah, me too. actually realize that until they, they talk with an author. Um, so was your design, I'm curious, your, two things. One, would you hold up your, your books again because they're beautiful and yeah. I want people to see the covers. Um, but then also, was, is your book designer, is she a horse person? Because she did nail it and I'm just, she yeah. wasn't. No, she's not. And she's actually in a, you'll notice if you've ever used Fiverr, a lot of the designers on there are international. Mm. I think she's in Switzerland, if I remember correctly. Um, she's on a totally different time zone. But I, what I did, and these covers could have totally turned out very differently had I not done all this preparation and given it to the book designer, but what I did is I asked the designer uh, what stock images, what website stock images she pulls from. She had a specific one, mm -hmm. which is called uh, Dep Deposit Photos, and so I started looking through all the stock images, and I picked out all these, all these images. So I picked out, because you know, being a horse person, it is so annoying when you are watching a movie or you see the cover of a book and like the horse, they're talking about a quarter horse and it's like an Arab yes. on the cover oh, or something. Yes. And you're like, oh no. Um, so I was very concerned. I wouldn't let a non-horse person just pick out any horse for my cover. So I specifically picked out this stock image and then this model that had all these different stock images on that site, she had different, uh, some different poses. And so she's the same model on the third book and, um, for Rodeo Days. And then I picked out this bottom image too, because Rodeo Days really goes into, you know, Lucy and Casey's love story. And I also wanted the characters to look like you know, the characters in the books as well. And so for me, this one was harder because so Taylor is like your blonde bombshell and she's on the cover of Showdown, but I could not find her horse is actually a chestnut um, quarter horse. And I could not find anything that worked that was, you know, the same as the character and the horse. And so for her, it's a little bit it's not like the perfect combo, but I loved her look because Taylor is so sassy and just like very um, no nonsense.
sense. And so mm -hmm. the model image was, was perfect. And so what I did is on that deposit photos page, you can make folders, electronic folders. And so I made an electronic folder of, a, of all the images that I loved that I would think would look good on the cover. And then I put together examples of other book covers that I really liked the composition of it. And for me, I looked up Sweet Romance mm -hmm. and I came up with like three or four covers that were very similar. Like they would show the main characters up on top and then something about the setting of the book on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so she just followed, she used the images that I gave her and um, the description of the story and the examples I gave for, for her and then came up with the design. Well, well, they turned out great. And I, and I really like hearing you. for going to, into such detail because I really like hearing that you, you had a very significant impact in the creative vision for what your covers would be like. And I would, you know, I yes. would encourage all authors to, to be that active in participating with their designer because you have in your mind, you know, what these characters look like and, and what you feel the cover should be like. So it's nice, totally. it's nice to hear how your journey went. Um, so other authors know that they can be that involved with their designer when it comes to the cover of further books. So that's what absolutely. Great. And I think that's a major advantage of being self-published is you have, you actually have control over every aspect of your book and who you want to work with as an editor, as a cover designer, um, to me, I think that's a major, major advantage because, you know, I've seen a lot of, I've seen traditionally published books where the cover was like, mm. Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't a big fan of it. And I'm sure that happens to traditionally published authors too, because they don't have a lot of, I would say most of them don't have a lot of control over what their cover looks like. Mm -hmm. I understand that you just, you know, they pay you for the manuscript and then they, you hand it over and they kind of go with it and they decide what the binding and the cover and, yeah. and typeset and all that's going to look like. So yeah, I, I like the creative control that, that I have through independent publishing as well. Yeah. So a little bit more about Rodeo Days because that, that is yeah. obviously your newest book. I, I was so honored to be part of your um, pre-launch, pre-order giveaway campaign that you did before you launched Rodeo Days. And I think that it was a really unique uh, promotion where you, and you partnered with a bunch of other um, horse book authors in order to bring more awareness to the fact that the third book in this series was coming after, after such a long break between the first two. Can you talk a little bit about um, how that promotion worked, what it looked like, and how you sort of came up with the idea, and if you would do it, do it again, because this was a very interesting, interesting giveaway in the fact that um, you know, part of the, the ask was that readers pre-order Rodeo Days, correct? So I'd love yes. to talk a little bit more about how it worked for you and if you would do it again and how you thought it up. Yeah, so I would totally do it again. And the, uh, the reasons I would do it, first of all, it was just awesome to be able to work with other equestrian authors who I've read their books and enjoyed their books and I know they're amazing writers mm -hmm. and it was amazing to kind of ask of the community of equestrian authors hey do you guys want to band together and promote each other's books for um you know it was really you know it was 
for, for my pre-launch of Rodeo Days, but I hope that it also helped other, other authors get more uh, social media attention for their books as well. Um, there was a total of nine authors, including myself, that were part of this promotion. And what I did is I set Rodeo Days up for pre-sale on Amazon. And if you bought an ebook or a paperback copy of Rodeo Days on pre-sale, then you filled out a form on my website and sent me a screenshot of your purchase on Amazon. And then you would be entered to win all of these um, paperback books from each of the from each of the equestrian authors. So the uh, the winner actually ended up getting nine or ten nine or ten books because um, some, there were some of the authors did a couple books in there, but they got just a menagerie of books coming ship into their house, and we all pushed. I made some social media images, and then we all shared them on our on our social pages and i would say i asking people to purchase like a pre-sale in order to enter the contest limited the number of people that entered the contest but what it did was it gave me a lot of uh, social media promotion for my new book and my my previous two um, and it also helped me right out the gate with also bots on Amazon. And so it helped me to link up to other equestrian books on Amazon very quickly because the same, I was pulling from other equestrian authors, reader bases. Mm -hmm. And so the people that were buying, you know, your book, um, you know, bought a pre-sale of Rodeo Days, and now all of a sudden, as my sales started going on Amazon, Amazon would bring up, if you like Rodeo Day, you know, if you like Rodeo Days, you would also like um, In the Reins, or vice versa, you know, on your page, it may pull up Rodeo Days, and so it helped me with exposure like that. Um, I think it's almost like, it's almost necessary to have a pre-sale period because you amp up the the launch day and you get more sales on your launch day so a pre-sale do you do pre-sales with, with your I books have, I haven't done a pre-sale yet that's why I'm so interested in in, yeah. in hearing your experience with it because because I do know when you do do a pre-sale you have to have the books ready um what is it mm -hmm. like a couple weeks ahead of your, your launch date, which would obviously you would want to do that anyway, but there's, there's like yeah. stipulations about when you have to have your book ready in order to do a launch date. And a lot of the time with my series, I, because I was in the same place with you, I had two books out for a while and I wanted to get the third one out. So I just like got it out as fast as I could because I know my readers yeah. are waiting for it. Sure. But I think now that I have, you know, the three books, the trilogy kind of completes the story. People are waiting and, waiting for that. Now I think I can set things up better to do like a, a pre-sale or, or if I start a new series, I think, a, you know, pre-order could be a cool route to go with that too. Um, yeah. so I was so curious in hearing what your experience was with it. Um, you know, because yeah. it, particularly they asking people to, to buy, buy something. I was, you know, curious how that went and, but, but the people that did do that are honestly true fans, right? So it's yes. like, they're, they're like exactly who you wanted to reach from the get-go, I would imagine. 
Absolutely. And doing it that way, you know, in a, in a future presale, I may, maybe I'll give some other options too. Like if you add my book to your Goodreads, um, to read list or something, I want to have a connection where somebody's just not like sharing, you know, or commenting and then they forget my book, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and I, I want to have some type of connection in which they get reminded of my book later, uh, later on. Um, and especially by asking for that presale commitment that also helps. So on your launch day, when you do a presale, all your sales from that presale go on your launch date. Oh, cool. So they're not, so they accumulate. And then when your launch date happens, basically you, you get, um, all those sales on one day. And so it boosts your sales rank on Amazon dramatically. Mm-hmm. And that also helps you find more readers because you end up at the top of certain categories and um, you get end up getting more sales. So that's the other reason I would definitely do it again. Um, I've done it for different time periods too. For rodeo days, I want to say it was only like a month or a month and a half that I did the pre-sale. And I think that's a really good time. I would do that time amount okay. um, again, because I did longer pre-sale for Overrun, the second book in the Overruled series. I think I did three months or a little over three months and I had everything. So I'm a little neurotic. I make sure I'm like done with everything before I put them up for pre-sale because I worry about not meeting the deadlines Mm -hmm. um so for that one I did three months and I thought that was too long like it started getting a little stale um and you can only like bombard your social media and newsletter list so much Mm -hmm. talking about one one book over and over so I think a month month and a half is a really good time timeline for a pre-sale yeah that's really great advice. And, and what, I, what I also really liked is that, you know, you're, you're very much like I am. You love uh, uniting with your fellow authors and, and you don't look, totally. you know, like we're not each other's competition. We lift each other up when we work together yes. and, and particularly around horses, you know, like a person who loves horses will, I'll pick up anything with a horse on the cover and see what it's yeah. about, you know, so like your readers For are my sure. readers or somebody else's readers, like, you know, and, and the we can only, you know, just shine a light. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this, this podcast too, is just, I mean, there's so many awesome authors out there writing about horses, you know, that I want people to be able to discover those books faster. And so, so I hope that happens. That's Absolutely. And just like you were saying too, that people who are reading those books, they're looking for more horse books. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times, you know, I'll get questions too, like what other, what other books or what other authors do you recommend? Um, because people, you know, I only have, I have three horse books, you know, people could go through those in a weekend if they wanted to. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I read your books in a day. I like them that much. So I feel like they're done, you know, so they like to binge, you know, it's like, yes. what's next, what's next, what's next, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, we, bind together as a community and we can, we can support each other and you know, that we're the same readers reading all of our, all of our books. So. Yeah. And, and it's such a horse people are so cool. You know, it's like, yes. we, we really take care of each other. We take care of each other and our horses. And, and I feel like the, the equestrian author writing community is very similar to, to the way 
you experience the horse world. You know, obviously in competition, we've got, we've got the tailors, but you know, for the most part, <laughs> we're all nice and we all just share love of horses and riding. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask another question too. Uh, I'm still on, I'm still on rodeo days. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, a couple, a couple other things. Rodeo days is in the Kindle Unlimited program too. I wanted to make sure, yes. is it still in there? I just wanted to make sure yeah. readers knew about that, which is Amazon subscription service, um, where, you know, when you subscribe to Kindle Unlimited, you can read all the books in the program at no cost under your, your plan. And I also know that there's like a 30 day free trial, so you can try it out too and mm -hmm. go, go check out Brittany, Brittany's book. But um, <laughs> why did you choose to put it in Kindle Unlimited and, and have you used it before and what results are you seeing from Kindle Unlimited? I'm, I'm curious yeah. as well. So for me, so all my books are in Kindle Unlimited. All, all five of them are and they always have been. Mm. So basically that means, um, you know, all the electronic books have to be exclusive to Amazon, but the paperbacks are, you don't have to be exclusive to Amazon. So you can find the paperbacks elsewhere, but the only place that you can buy the, the ebook is on Amazon. And I made that decision because I wanted, initially I made it because I wanted to take advantage of the um, Kindle uh, 99 cent promos and uh, free days mm -hmm. that basically they say they're going to boost, boost your, you know, book through those promos and you get a certain amount of days you can do. And I think it's a six month period. I'm not sure that I've seen like a huge advantage from that side, but what I, what I have found is this year, now that I have the third book out in the Red Rock Ranch series, that my Kindle unlimited reads have gone up dramatically. Like mm. they are making, I, I, it used to be kind of spotty. Um, I would sell more like eBooks and more paperbacks than uh, reads or page reads in Kindle Unlimited. And now the KU program is probably about half of my book sales. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, so it's made up a significant part of my sales. And I think it's because the people that are subscribing to that program are voracious readers. Yeah, and they want a full series. They want to know that they can sit down and just blow, um, you know, blow through a series, a binge read a series. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not seeing that yet on my Overruled series. So it's like all my Kindle Unlimited reads are from my Red Rock Ranch books, which has the three books in the series, which I may, I, I probably will write more in the Red Rock yay, Ranch series, yay, but yay. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I love that series. It's so good. And it, you, no. you know, where you left with Rodeo Days, I mean, it's, it's limitless. I mean, you could, yeah. you, you could be the next Thoroughbred, you know, series for the, for the Western world. Cause the Thor yeah. Thoroughbred series focuses more on horse racing. Is that right? The racing industry? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. so, so the, the cowgirls of the world, like you and me as little cowgirls, we need it. We need like a long series too. I know. Right. Like, and that actually, I'm glad you brought that up because like your books too, they're really, there's, I don't feel like there's that many books out there in the equestrian side that focus on the Western world. And for me and for you, we're Western riders mm -hmm. and I'm a hardcore Western rider. I mean, it's the reason I do cowboy dressage and not mm -hmm. traditional dressage. I like the Western. I want to wear my blue jeans. 
I want to, you know, wear my bling Mm -hmm. and, um, (laughs) be in that environment. I like the environment and the people. Mm -hmm. And, um, there are not that many books that focus on Western writing. And so that, that was another reason that I really wanted to write this series too because not everybody jumps not everybody's a dressage rider Uh, the western side of things I've found it you know there's a lot of like barrel racing or rodeo um and we both have a little bit of aspect of rodeo in there but we we also pull in like the western show world you know yeah I I loved your book so much I was like nobody else is writing like this and and I'm a lot like you I wrote the in the rain series because I kind of wrote the book that I wanted to read because there was nothing Mm -hmm. represented uh, my love of like the breed shows and, and Western pleasure, not rodeo um, kind of totally. thing. And there's nothing wrong with those books. I read those books. Yeah. Too. Um, I just wanted something that represented, you know, my discipline of choice. And- Absolutely. Because they're totally different worlds. I mean, they are. We, we both use Western tack, but it's totally different disciplines, different worlds, you know, different terminology. And it's exciting to to see that's why one of the reasons I was so excited too to read your books is because like growing up in the western pleasure world too I was like oh, I I don't know that I've ever read another book where you're in the western pleasure like show and training world and then to have romance in it too I was like yeah <laughs> I feel like we're like the same person I mean like, we could be like I think best friends like I feel like so, so I Brittany, know we live so far away from each other I know like Brittany and I have um had a relationship on online um in social media for I think since like 20, the end of 2015 or something or maybe even longer Probably, yeah but this is the first time that we're actually like talking to each other even though it's still on a computer like where well, this is the first time we're like actually kind of like meeting and talking to each other so one of these days we're gonna have to do like a big meetup or something maybe we can uh, I know that would be so fun wrang- wrangle some other authors and wind up like sharing a table at Briarfest or um what's oh my name? gosh what's the other big one like equine affair yes that like a yeah. authors go to that so like I, I see one day we're all going to meet up somewhere and do something. That would be incredible. super fun. <laughs> that would be super fun. I would love to do that. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so, so we're, we're getting into like the, you know, the final questions we've, you've been so pleasant. Like actually Brittany is incredible as a fellow horse uh, lover. She gave me a break. <laughs> I had to run out and check on one of my ponies and I came in brushing the, <laughs> the shavings <laughs> off my shirt. I wanted to ask you just a few, a few questions about like, about writing um, in general. Like, thank you for the wealth of knowledge that you've already shared, but I, I'm curious, you Absolutely. you independent publishing earlier, and I'm curious, why, why did you choose the independent publishing route? Initially, it was not my, cho- my uh, preferred route. I, I tried to get an agent initially, a literary agent, because, I think coming into it um, and learning about the market and learning, I didn't know as as much about the self-publishing world as I do now. And I had this like stigma attached to self-publishing, like, like it's not as quality of material or people won't take me seriously. Um, and so my my goal was to get a literary agent and I got lots of rejections Mm -hmm. and um I finally got to the point I think I 
gave it like five or six months after when I was uh, querying for Lucy's Chance. And I was like, you know what? I want to get, I want to get this book out to readers. Like I want to share it. It's why I, why I write, you know, it's why I wrote the book. And so I started looking into, you know, how to self-publish my book and had to, you know, educate myself on, um, you know, like how, how to reach out to a book designer. Um, I initially paid somebody as well to format the interior of my books. I do that myself now, um, which I've learned. So my last two books, Radio Days and Overrun, I have done the interior book design myself. And I ultimately learned how to do that because I, um, I had to switch to my interior formatter. The guy that I originally used for Red Rock Ranch wasn't doing it anymore. And so I had to find a new one. And the woman who did my interior formatting for Overruled, she did a beautiful job. Like it's gorgeous interior with all these beautiful fonts. Um, it's gorgeous, but she did it in uh, Adobe InDesign. Mm-hmm. I think it's InDesign. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a program that I have or I know how to use. Mm-hmm. And so every time I would need something changed, I would have to go back to her and, and be like, okay, up yes, and cough up a charge. Yep. Um, and, you know, it wasn't super cheap to have it done in the first place. It was a couple hundred dollars. And then every time I had to make a change, like I wanted to add the first chapter, sample chapter of the second book into there, I had to contact her and have her add it in and, and pay her for a time and everything. Um, and then I, I couldn't go in if I saw a typo, I couldn't fix it. And so I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this on my own. Um, and I found a I wrote it down because it's a cool website. I ended up, I found it on Google, but it's called book design templates. Book, book design templates.com. Right. Yes. So I make sure, yes. make sure I got that and I'll put that in the show notes too. So people can go there. Perfect. So, so you found this and now you can format your own books from there. What they do is they sell, you can buy it, you buy a template, like an interior design template. It's all in Word, Microsoft mm-hmm. Word, which I'm really familiar with. And so you buy a template, they have everything set up for you in that template. You buy it for the specific dimensions of mm-hmm. your uh, paperback book. So like my, you know, Red Rock Ranch books are a, a smaller, they're a much smaller dimension you know, than my overruled book. So it's all formatted for you. And then they, I, I think it's like 50 or $60 to buy, to buy one of the documents. And then you also get videos and a PDF form that shows you how to input your material and then what you actually need to do in order to like indent a paragraph or um, change uh, chapter titles um, to put in some cool, like this one is one of them that I did. And on every chapter, because of the dual perspective, I, it's either Nova's, Nova's chapter or Jade's chapter. Oh, cool. And there's stars above Nova for Nova. Yeah. Jade has a little, Jade has a crown. A crown, that's very cool. Yeah. It's like that visual, uh, recogni- visual that people can visually recognize that you're going to switch you're not just yeah. from the name, but there's also that indicator that it's switching perspectives. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, basically 
you pay 50 or $60, you get a template and they teach you how to, you know, format. And so for me, that's really nice because now, you know, if I write a fourth book in the, the Red Rock Wrench series, I can go back and add a sample chapter to Rodeo Days, you know, mm -hmm. update any information. And so I, I, it's really nice to know that. That's great. And yeah, be, having the ability to update things yourself, whether it's your website or, you know, the interior of yeah. your books or no, learning how to do that and having the ability to do that is like really valuable because, you know, it's like every time you use a designer to make a change to something, you have to pay and that really can add up, you know, and as an author, like things are constantly, particularly as an independent author, Things are constantly changing. You know, technologies are changing. The systems we're using to publish, the distribution systems, you know, are changing. Create space with the KDP, and I'm sure there's all sorts of different things. So having that ability to own your work and change the, the technology portions of it really is powerful. So I would recommend anyone, you know, to learn how to do a lot of these Absolutely. things yourself. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree with that? I would totally agree. And. Um, the, bringing that back into the self-publishing, and that's one of the reasons that I really have learned to enjoy um, self-publishing is I, you know, I get to choose what type of books I'm writing. I'm not on anybody else's deadline. I get to choose who I'm working with as far as cover designers and editors and everything too. So I think just having total control of your writing and your books is a pretty amazing, amazing thing as self-publisher. I mean, we wear a lot of uh, different hats because you're in charge of all your marketing as well and all your social it's worth it you know and and you're doing that and you're doing it too uh, yes. you do you work full-time and you man and you manage your own farm and you know and and you find the time to write yeah. it's doable for you know this I know yeah. for you that this is going to end up being your for, forever career but in the meantime it's doable you can you can write you can independently publish you can work full-time you can have kids, you can manage your life. You know, it's like, just, I think it's just about being disciplined about schedule and making sure you're making the time yeah. for your creative endeavors, right? Absolutely. And if you, if you love it, it's, you know, it's, it it's is work. fun. It's not, it's not always easy, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, you make time for it and you, you strive to hit your goals because you really enjoy doing it. And I really, I really do enjoy doing it. It's, it's something I, I can't ever picture not doing. So, well, keep writing because I love your books. I know there's a lot of other people thank out you. there that love your books, and you know. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time and for your partnership, or and for being such a great, um, you know, supporter of mm -hmm. other authors. And you know, you're doing great work, and it's really lovely. And thank you for the gift of your time and for being on the show thank today. You. So. Oh, absolutely. I'm honored. I'm honored to be on your show and I'm so excited for your show and I can't wait to watch other authors and um, hear about their journeys as well. And thank you for doing such a great interview. You asked some really great questions. Well, and you had some really great answers and you rolled with it. I kind of went off script in a couple of places, but I mean, I think it was so informative and I think people are going to learn so much from, from listening to this. So thank you. Um, let people know where people can get a hold of you and where they can find your books. I'll obviously, you know, put all that information in your show notes so people can easily get to it, but share with us for those who are listening in where they can find you and your books. Yeah. So my website is Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y, joybooks.squarespace.com. And I've got all my social links 
on my website, Goodreads, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I am pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so if you want to see lots of pictures of my horses and my dog, <laughs> uh, Lucy, who is, that's actually, my dog's name is Lucy. That's where the uh, main character's name came from. In Vital information. <laughs> Vital <Yes>. information here. <laughs> she is actually, um, she is totally my writing partner. She oh. is always at my feet. She's going to hold up Lucy for us, folks. Let's see. Oh, <laughs> this is Lucy. She's adorable. Oh, for those that aren't watching us on YouTube, what kind of dog is she and how old is she? She she is we think that she is jack russell chihuahua and she is 10 years old and we adopted her when she was about a year old she was Aww. a little stray so we don't know we don't know where she came from what her background story is but she is the sweetest thing and she is always with me when i'm writing so like right now i'm sitting at my desk so she's, <laughs> she's your she's your yeah. companion I know yeah, I think she's my dogs feet. are the same. It's like, it doesn't feel right without them. They're, it's just, they're part of the creative process. I don't know if it's their positive magical energy. Yes. Or, you know, it's, there's just something about having them, them there for it. She's yes, cool. I agree. Thank you. She's really sleepy. Apparently she sleeps <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I were a dog, I mean, they, they have the best life if they have good owners, right? They get to sleep, yes. eat chill, get taken care of. They don't have to go to work. It's pretty awesome. I know. She is, she, I would be too. I'd have the dog's life too. So, uh, but yeah, I do show, share a lot of pictures of Lucy and my horses and books on and my coffee. social. So. And, and coffee. coffee. Yes. And <laughs> lots of coffee as well too. <laughs> so. We've got that in common too. I, I love my coffee. So oh, yeah, I and can't start the day without it. Oh, I hear you, girl. And then <laughs> your books. Where can people find your books? Amazon, for sure. All the ebooks um, are on Amazon. And like I said before, they're all in, all my books are in the Kindle Unlimited program. And then the paperbacks, you can either find on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble online, and uh, Book Depository. I don't know if you've ever checked out Book Depository before. They yeah. are really... Uh, so they ship internationally mm. and no ship, no shipping, uh, charges. Oh, cool. And so they carry just about everything that's on Amazon. I guarantee your books are, are on there, but I use it a lot for, um, giveaways like social giveaways, because a lot of times you'll get international, mm -hmm. um, people that enter those and it's really expensive to ship books internationally uh, so I'll just buy it for the full retail price on book depository and ship it to them internationally and it'll be like $12 total versus you know using a, one of my paperback copies and shipping it via mail which can be like $20 yeah brilliant so, oh my gosh yeah. another, another another gem of information for independent Yay. authors book depository that's really great yeah. So, so I highly, highly recommend Brittany's Red Rock Ranch series. I've read, I've read it. It's fantastic. It's such a cute, wonderful journey. It's for, you know, it's YA, but adults, you know, I loved it just as much as, you know, a teenager would. And then I, you know, I really can't wait to read your Overruled series. I'm like really excited about yeah. that too. And um, you know, I'll certainly leave you reviews when I'm through. And Thank you. 
I'm looking forward to that. So, so I'm kind of weird. I'm sort of like those people that like to have the whole series out before I get engaged. So what you're going to find is Carly Kay's going to buy all three at once, read all three, and you're going to get three reviews all at once. Cause that's kind of how a I'm lot of people are like that. I really, I did. A lot of people do that. They wait. I'll get comments even about that on like Goodreads. They'll be like, is the whole, is this only a duology or is it a, a trilogy? Because I'm going to wait until yeah. all books are out. Yeah. I mean, that's, ex that's what it was like for me within the reins. I mean, if, had I known, I mean, when I was first starting out as an independent author, like what, what I've learned from talking to other independent authors is a lot of them wish they had written all three books and then released all three books consecutively um mm -hmm. to to fulfill that void that's left because people we're we're, we're creating a binge culture is what's happening yeah. with netflix and the tv we're watching and and now with that books, makes so much sense it yeah. really because i did notice when i released the third book in the in the rains trilogy chopin promise the trilogy just it like all three books started to raise and it was i think it's people waiting and i know we both talked about how much we like twilight earlier in this yeah I refused to get involved with the Twilight series, even though everybody's going crazy over it until I knew all the books were out. Because really? Yeah, I can't stand waiting for the next one. You know, it's like, and these days you don't kind of don't have to anymore. So I know. Uh, well, and it can be a really long time, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, between when books are released, it, when you're writing them one at a time. Um, so yeah, I get that. I yeah, get it now. So yeah, but there's something to be said for like you created a, a book and a product and you know, you want to give birth to that book baby as soon as it's finished, yeah. you know, and so if there's something to be said for just completing a first book in a journey. It's like, it, it's hard to write a book. It really is. Yeah, so, it is. So I was just like, I'm putting this baby out there, you know, it's like, and, and now we're both established. So it's like, now that we know this, it's like, it's, it's okay. You know, there's, there's different ways to do it. And I think for, for me, it was like, finally putting this creative endeavor that I had been working on forever out into the world and then letting the series kind of grow as it grows and, and it's organic and authentic and that's okay too. I mean, there, but there's strategies, like people actually have strategies yeah. around how they're going to release the series. So I just think it's really interesting. So Yeah, I think it is too. And I, I have noticed too, I part of a few different like um, Facebook groups with different authors um, and a lot of the fantasy ones I'm involved in a lot of the success, really successful authors literally just pump out like three, four books, you know, a year because they're just feeding, 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 you know, and people are always looking for that next book. They don't want to wait the year or two years sometimes. So I, it makes sense to me now that I've released the third book in the Red Rock Ranch series and seen the difference in sales mm -hmm. um, that that people really, you know, they don't want to wait. They want that whole series out before they start it and then end up loving it and then having to wait a year or two years for the, you know, for the next one. Yeah. So. You know, but it's, we all write differently and we all read differently. And, you know, there's people yeah. out there that don't mind too. It just depends depends on the kind of reader you are. So yeah. this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for 46 hours. <laughs> you're straight so you, you will be back for sure oh i would love that i'm super excited and i'm very thankful that you um had me on your show and i'm so looking forward to watching more and i would love to be back and talk more with you
Well, you yeah. certainly will. And when authors unite, it makes my spurs jingle. So thank Yay. you for being part of that uniting thing and, and coming on and talking with me today. So you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. I hope you get a lot of riding in. Thank you so much. Have an awesome weekend. Okay, you too, Brittany. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.